Okay. So we're going to just, I just quickly. Okay. Okay. So your sun sign is your identity, right? It's like core traits of your personality. It's kind of like your ego. Mm -hmm. So like Virgos, do you know about Virgos? Do you resonate? A little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Virgo is like an earth sign. It's kind of like the perfectionistic sign. They're grounded. Always at the service of others. Yes. They want to be useful. They want to be of service. Um, now your moon, wherever the, the moon symbolizes how you nourish yourself and what you need emotionally. Mm -hmm. For you, your moon is in Gemini in the third house. So Gemini moons need communication and self-expression for their emotional fulfillment. Like communication is the name of their game Mm -hmm. and it's an air sign. So they're never like, this is why I feel like Gemini moons are great therapist moon to have because they're not like bogged down by emotions like a water sign might be they're able to like their emotions can kind of like come and go like the wind per se like they're Mm. they're able to be a little bit objective about them they need to like communicate and analyze and express them but they're not necessarily drowning in the feels all the time moon wise now there might be other places in your chart that you're drowning in the fields. Mm-hmm. And the other part of that with Geminis is they like have a lot of like interests. They like to, you know, see the world, do lots of things. Um, and it's the same for like people and friend groups and things like that. So you're able to be a lot of different people and like present to a lot of different people, but, and that may seem like sort of detached, um, which is, which is a good thing, like as a therapist, because you don't want to be like consumed and like bogged down by the weight of all these other people's emotions. However, we have to remember that Gemini is the sign of the twin. So they come into the world, like seeking and like innately in partnership, um, like with people. So I mean, that is just like an amazing moon sign for like someone who's a therapist, because you're able to sit with these people and like be in relationship with them and sit with them in their grief or whatever they're going through. But you're not like assuming that yourself. Yeah. Oh, that tracks. And, it, and it's, yeah, it's in the third house of communication. So that is really cool. Like each, um, the sky is split in, in astrology. They split the sky into a 12 piece zodiac. And so each sign falls into a different house and all the planets are in a house and a sign. So yours is in, your moon is in Gemini in the third house. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is, the sign that rules that house. Yes. So because you're an Aries rising, that means your first house is in Aries, which is the first sign of the zodiac. So all of your signs um, are in like the house that they kind of like rule. So you're very at home in all of these houses. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. That's true. Um, so an Aries rising, so your rising sign, it's not a planet, but it's where the sun was like rising when you were born. And it's your like personality, your personal expression of all of like the things in your chart. It's how you express them in the world. So you have those kind of like outward traits of an Aries um, and people might even, people that you meet might like describe you similarly to like how they would describe an Aries. It's like your expression of all these different things. Hmm. Yeah. Your rising sign is also who you are like one-on-one with people so that would be as someone who is sitting with people all day long um that would be like one to really kind of like focus in on and like how you like what your style of like therapy is or like how you're communicating with people because you are so communicative because of your gemini moon in the third house Hmm. 
so communicative. Um, okay, so then let's talk about Mars, Jupiter, and then North and South Node. So the seventh house, which is where you have Mars and Jupiter, the seventh house is the house of partnership. Um, it's the house of relationship, one-on-one, -on -one, like, you know, romantic relationship, marriage, but also one-on-one -on -one, um, friendships and like even business partners. Um, and so you have two planets in there. Um, meaning that you have, you know, quite an emphasis on partnership in your life. And in particular, you have the planet Mars, which is the planet of action, passion, purpose. It's like you look for Mars in your chart to see where you put a lot of energy into your life. So this is fascinating because, yeah. <laughs> that, because you have it in knowingly <laughs> well and um I, I don't know if you said this or not emily but like you're so these are all in your seventh house and your sign that is like in your seventh house is libra which is again the sign that like traditionally rules the seventh house of like partnership and relationship and like um venus rules it so it's like all about you know like love and like in all sorts of ways um, and so, yeah, so you have like a really big emphasis on this with like your planet of assertion and like, you know, how you like put yourself out there in the world. Um, there is always like in the context of relationships. Mm -hmm. That feels and then, wildly accurate. <laughs> right. Well, then, well, then you have the planet Jupiter mm. in there as well. Jupiter is the planet that brings expansion. Wherever it is, it expands that area of your life. It brings luck. It brings blessings you have Jupiter in your seventh house in Libra, like the planet that not only expands your, expands Mars by being next to it and that passion and that action towards these relationships, but just like in general, you have luck and expansion there. Hmm. Love that for you. <laughs> I'm just so curious to see as we start to talk about my journey to becoming a psychologist and like what kind of therapist I am, how much of this translates and tracks. And I'm sure you'll both will just be like giggling along. <laughs> oh, for sure. Welcome to the fifth element. A podcast for people seeking intimate connection with their innermost self through holistic healing, cosmic consciousness, and radical rebirth. We hope each episode is an opportunity for listeners to join the collective journey towards intuition and integration. So All right. word on the street is you guys have like a super amazing way of how you met. You guys that. that I haven't say, yeah. heard. Um, Mike, you and I know each other. I didn't even remember. But you reminded me that we were on like a Relay for Life committee together, mm -hmm. our very first year of college. Mm -hmm. um, and so we only kind of sort of know each other. But Emily says there's an iconic story of how you guys met. <laughs> Maybe we see it as iconic. But <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it is iconic. No, it's very like, again, it's interesting that we've found ourselves in this particular situation because it feels very um, transcendent, I guess, in a way. Yeah, you could say, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, basically, let's see. 2015, um, I was a sophomore, you were a senior. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I just remember, like, 
for a couple months there from probably like January till I have the receipts in, in April. Um, I just like remember being like walking around campus or just like being out and about and random people would be like, do you know Mike Mangino? And I'd be like, I, I know that name, but they're like, you should meet him. And then I'd be like, okay, like if our paths cross, you know? And then I remember specifically someone coming up to me and being like, Mike really wants to meet you or something. And I was like, who is this person? Like, I need to find him. Um, and then, do you remember this? We were like, both got the same like award. Yes, we did. <laughs> You're like, yes, I remember. <laughs> and we were like taking a picture together. <laughs> Stood next to one another, yeah. I was like, is this the Mike Mangino? Um, it's one of those like student award things. Yeah, student choice awards, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to email this guy. Like, I'm just going to find his email in the Loyola system. And it was March 8th, 2015. The subject line was Hey. And the <laughs> body of the message reads, We need to hang out before you graduate. Because keep in mind, this is April 2015. He's graduating in a month. Um, pretty sure you responded within seconds. Within seconds. I'll tell my story actually up from like when Emily was starting okay. to this point. Because um, on the other end of the spectrum, I had seen Emily pretty much, for again, anyone that, is, that doesn't go to our university, like most universities, I think there's certain like organizations or things that students can get involved in that you're like, oh, that's that thing on campus or that's this thing that people do. And at Loyola, there was kind of like the core four, which was CCSJ, which is community service, campus men, because um, we went to a Jesuit undergrad, SGA or Evergreens. And so I had seen like Emily was kind of a part of like, I feel like she kind of like dipped in of like a lot of these pools. And I just remember like one looking at her being like, this girl is as cute as a button. And then two, like, I remember she, I really was involved in campus men a lot too when we were an undergrad. And um, everyone just kept saying like, oh my God, Emily Bruce, like just, and like, it was as if people were like, <laughs> this girl like ex and there's like an energy around you i can't really explain it but everyone <laughs> everyone just kind of was like oh my god emily bruce oh my god like and i was like yo who is this and then um I, it was kind of the same thing i had a lot of friends who were like oh my god do you know emily bruce and i was like no they're like i feel like you two should be friends yeah. but you're they not kept pushing us towards each other all yeah. those people. wow and we both were like okay but <laughs> um, you're like i don't have time but okay <laughs> like i'm graduating in three months but um yeah I, I remember um my one friend uh caitlin who actually was part of a club that emily was also in was like you that was like the final straw she was like yeah. you need to meet emily and i was like okay and then like lo and behold i get this email and i'm like oh my god finally like because it just kept feeling feeling like i would see her on campus and i was like i'm gonna feel awkward just being like, hey, I don't know you, but like, let's be friends. Apparently, I don't know. Let's warm the street. <laughs> but um, yeah, then supposed I, to happen. I got that email, and so I was like, literally, almost waiting for this opportunity. And then that's why I responded so quickly because I was like, yes, let's do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and we got together. Honestly, like a week after that, maybe not yeah. even like. And it was like, you know, when you meet someone and you're like, I've known this person my entire life. Like mm -hmm. this is my 
like soulmate. <laughs> it was the kind it of was, it was crazy. Yeah, like I remember we were sitting in like the same booth in like the like cafe or boulder, I think, and forget mm-hmm. for like hours. Like out mm-hmm. You least- were like you were like, I've never told anyone this. And then I would be like, I've never spoken this aloud in my life. And we were just like, we're like, yeah, just, but it was odd because it was like this really, and again, like, I think this is something I was saying this to Emily the other day. Like, there's just kind of this, like, I guess, like cosmic energy between people where it's like, we've met before or yeah. like, it felt oddly so comfortable. Yeah. And I remember, yeah, there were just things we were saying about one another where I was like, I've like honestly never said this aloud. I just feel like you need to know for some reason. <laughs> so um, yeah, it was it was honestly such a, it was both bizarre and also like very expected in a way. Mm-hmm. So then, how did you leave that conversation? Because it, I mean, did you guys have to make up for lost time? Did you hang out every day until you graduated? Like what happened? No. no. We, we hung out like once or twice more, like, um, I remember I literally went to like a like a pseudo like dinner thing with like uh, a couple of Emily's friends down in like Hamden I think I can't remember and okay um, yeah and it was just kind of like like I was there and everyone was like yeah sure Mike's here but like I was <laughs> like I didn't know any of these people they're like, like yeah Emily's soulmate is here yeah sure whatever yeah and everyone just kept being like this is a couple we were like right okay so um. Yeah, but honestly, we didn't, um, we, I, yeah, I only saw her twice more. And then we literally took a picture together the day before I graduated at baccalaureate mass. And then I didn't see her again for two years. <laughs> two years. Two years. Wow. And then we met up in this town in Connecticut that, like, only exists for us. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like we're pretty sure it opens just when we both it set It just, up like, there. opens. Yeah, and we spent, like, 10 hours together, and then we haven't seen each other <laughs> but, Wait, like, you guys haven't been together in person since then? No. 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 <laughs> but, like, we don't need to. I mean, right. but, like, yeah. No, like, yeah, we need to, but, like, it does, yeah, it's, it's odd. Like, even That's that why it's day, weird. It was just, I, we, I literally drove, like, three and a half hours yeah, same. just to be with her for 10 hours and I was like and again it was like I saw her we had lunch and we just kind of walked this like it was like this was like fairy tale town <laughs> it was like literally fake like we were like this is everyone there like now that I'm thinking back on it too like I feel like no one made eye contact with us like I mm. really feel like everyone was just like props yeah <laughs> to our like fairy tale story yeah absolutely I I cannot agree more and yeah it was and I'm such I I don't know I mean I think I'm such a water person which is funny I have like no water signs because I I feel so drawn to the ocean and like this town rests on the ocean (laughs) like it was it felt very symbolic and yeah a wild wild way but yeah, yeah ever since we've just been um, we honestly text here and there, and then we have like these FaceTime sessions for like six hours, and we're like, "Yep." And okay. we like write letters, which is oh, really that's um, the other piece too. We've been pen pals for like two or three years. Yeah, so that's that's us. Wow, <laughs> I mean, it is iconic. Oh, I'm glad. I'm not disappointed. Yeah. Oh, good. It's iconic. <laughs> um, but anyway, like, you are a very easy person just to talk to in general. I'm sure people tell you that all the time. Um, oh, thank you. And oh, you're welcome. And we wanted to talk with you about therapy because you are um, a, what's the official like title? 
of so, your degree? So my degree is a PsyD. Um, so it's the same thing as a PhD for, um, for folks. So I'm a clinical psychologist. Um, and uh, a PsyD is just a doctor of psychology. And there's some psychologists that have a doctor of philosophy. That was kind of the older degree. I think it's still technically for some circles you're in holds a bit more weight just because it's like the old, old degree. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, my, my focus is in clinical psychology. Awesome. And do you want to tell us about your like journey of being a psychologist? Sure. Being a psychologist? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying <laughs> to think about, uh, yeah, I have, I have this story down pat, I think. Um, okay. So I am one of those people um, when I was like 15 years old, like I knew this is what I wanted to do. Um, I just had a very, again, talk about kind of like cosmic energy here. Um, I just had a very transcendent, like transcending experience um, with, uh, with heartbreak. And it was kind of the beginning of my, um, you know, my journey of identity formation and um, who I wanted to be. And, um, and I, I, I don't, I, again, like I can't, I'm sure that'll be something somewhere on my birth chart that <laughs> explains this moment of my life. But um, I just started seeing after that experience of heartbreak and it was like, I had this very close relationship with, with someone for a couple of years. It wasn't a romantic relationship, but it was like, again, this kind of like spiritual kind of connectedness to this person that like I didn't think whatever happened but i just started seeing people relationships the world in an entirely new way and i was 15 years old and it felt um bizarre to me i just i i started seeing people as so complex and so layered and um i had this and I, again i don't know where this comes from but i had this like wild um, empathy for even this person who um, hurt me at times. I was just, I, because I understood, I understood who they were. I understood where they were coming from. And um, I didn't let it damage me too much, even though everyone outside was like, what are you doing? This is so, this is so wild. What is this relationship? And I was like, I can't explain it to you. It's just like, there's, there's so much here going on. And um, from that experience, I literally, that that relationship bond, whatever you want to call it, lasted until I got into college. And then I was kind of thrust into this place of like new state, new people, new environment. And I was almost like hyper aware of the people around me. And then I, I, I knew I wanted to be a psychologist. So I, I was starting my psychology classes and like, I was never the star student ever in my life. Um, um, but I was in my classes and I just had, it just came to me, like learning about people. And I would, it was funny. Like I had, I've gotten this review from one of my supervisors who was like, it's almost as if he's speaking the language of therapy without having read everything to have known what it is. And I mm -hmm. think that, I mean, it was so flattering when I read that like, on my critique for one of my placements, but it's true. Like I think I've, I've just started once I saw people this way, I just couldn't unsee it. And um, yeah, and so I, I've ever since then, you know, and I went to college and like most of us, college is not always sunshines and rainbows. And I, 
struggled a lot in college because again, I was going through this period of identity formation and I, for lack of better words, was like saved by my college counselor. And I just felt so, again, grateful. And again, this kind of cosmic energy of this person who was guided to me um, and saw me for like way, now that I'm on the other side, saw me way longer than she was supposed to. And like, I should have been referred out, but I was, yeah, I just, I think she, again, saw kind of the utility in me being there. And um, yeah, so, and it's funny now, I'm, I, I, for those who don't know me at all, I, uh, I work at a uh, university counseling center. Um, so I kind of feel, I ever since then, I just felt like I wanted to give back what was given to me when I was in mm-hmm. undergrad. Um, and yeah, and uh, from there, I pretty much, uh, when really when Emily first started having the, the crowds tell her she was supposed to meet me and I was supposed to meet her, was when I started my application process to doctoral programs. Um, and yeah, I was very, very blessed and lucky to be accepted right out from college. So I started, um, I started my program pretty much right after I left my undergrad. And then I, for, again, for those, I, I will, I, my degree is completed now and I will finish my, um, all of my requirements in August. So that is, I guess when I will officially be Dr. Mangino, but yeah, that was kind of my journey. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. Thank you. Is there a specific um, kind of like type of therapy that you are doing or drawn to or specific population or Mm -hmm. what are your... Yeah, I think that, um, so I'll certainly speak about this as we go throughout, but I, so we'll talk about a little bit like types of therapy and then populations serve because they they differ um but i would say like my specialty area so uh, folks who i get referred the most from are um sexual and gender minorities um so folks who identify as lgbtq plus folks who identify as trans um folks um transgender non-binary folks who um genderqueer anywhere along those spectrums i i've worked a lot with those folks. My research areas are in that area. Um, I, I work a lot with folks now um, who've experienced um, sexual, physical, emotional violence. Uh, I've, uh, I've recently kind of adopted a, a couples therapy lens, and I think part of that probably comes from being a twin. So um, unit identities have always been very important to me. Um, and again, kind of talking about later, like what it, what it means to find a therapist. I think, again, like the unit of Therapy is very important, so I can speak to that too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, I've done some couples work, uh, and I, I work actually a lot. I would say a, a big style of mine is like a, re- a relational lens, and so that's a bit more of like my my orientation to therapy is I, I use a psychodynamic slash relational lens to doing therapy, but I integrate a lot. So I integrate CBT, DBT, um, family systems. So I, I'm, I'm an integrationist in that way, or a bit, I guess a bit more eclectic as we would call it. But, um, and that really, again, I, I'll kind of describe my, um, my uh, orient or the orientations a bit later, but kind of to the birth chart, my type of therapy is very depth oriented. So mm-hmm. I'm very, to, to what you said, yeah, I'm very comfortable sitting in distress with folks. I actually find that's where I'm most comfortable in my work. And I think that uh, speaks to some of the populations I see. I work a lot with trauma as well. 
um, and trauma work um, is very hard, don't get me wrong, but it's something that I find a lot of purpose and value in, and I'm very energized by it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think in a nutshell, that's kind of like the population slash kind of how I work um, mm-hmm. a little bit. And I could spend two hours just talking about that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, yeah, just to briefly like touch on your birth chart, that's what we call a Libra in the seventh house, Scorpio in the eighth house, Sagittarius in the ninth house. It all lines up. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you, you talked briefly about like the, the um, therapist client relationship. And I know that my therapist sa- says pretty often that like the, relationship between the therapist and the client is almost more important than what's like being done in the sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you speak about like that importance? And cause I know people that I've talked to who either have been to therapy or are in therapy, sometimes they're just like, yeah, I like, like I like my therapist, but X, Y, Z, whatever it is. And I'm like, you got to find that person that you're like, this is my person. Mm-hmm. Like, that yeah. he makes you or he makes you feel they make you feel just like so safe and loved and like or even heard like yeah. I actively hated therapy like because mm. the first couple that I had they were just like they didn't listen to anything I said or you know they mm-hmm. were trying to fix problems that I didn't need them right like, that wasn't the reason I was there right. um and then until I found one that I like absolutely loved I was like you know mm-hmm. yeah. and I'm currently in need of a therapist because I moved so like mm-hmm. I would love to hear your like helpful tips of like how to go about finding one. Oh, I have yeah I have I before I was like scribbling I was like I'll just write a couple notes of what I need to do and the folks who are listening at home can't see but this is like it's an egregious just a couple notes. Just a couple <laughs> notes. Um, so um, yeah I mean so I really view so yes to Emily to what you said Uh, 100%. There's a lot of literature, a lot of studies that have been done on the, uh, what it may be, I guess, in our communities called the therapeutic alliance, um, Mm -hmm. the therapeutic relationship. Um, There's so many studies done on this, and uh, I I would agree with what you said. The one of the biggest motivators, um, or I guess one of the biggest factors for change in the therapy relationship is the relationship. And it's exactly to kind of what you were saying, Kaylee. It's like who, how a person listens to you and how they take you in and allows you to speak and also what they give you back. That's, I mean, that is therapy when you just think about it on its most basic level. So of course the relationship matters. I really call it the dating game because it's kind of like, I think of a kind of was like when you're on like a dating app, like, you know, we swipe right and left on a lot of people. So you're going to kind of to what you said, find those people who are like, good. Okay. Like I would never really go on a date with them. But like if I had to, I would. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really motivate a lot of people. Don't just settle for the person you were kind of like, eh, on swiping. Like mm-hmm. a therapist is someone, we're not looking for someone that, um, you know, some people don't want to be in therapy for more than a couple of months, which is totally fine. But a lot of the reasons folks don't stick with therapies because they're like, oh, that one experience was really bad. And I guess my answer to that has always been, well, with dating, would you ever just go on one date and never go on another one ever again? Well, for some people, maybe, but we want to really push people like, no, like you had one bad experience and it's probably because the person wasn't a good fit for you or a good match. And I'm going to use that word fit a lot because we're talking about 
someone who you're going to share intimate parts of yourself with. So you want it to fit. It's not just supposed to be someone you go see. You want to fit with them when you're Mm -hmm. in the room with them. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I really, I 100% agree with you, Emily. I think the relationship speaks to uh, probably, I would say 85 to 90% of the success of therapy. Yeah. And people shouldn't feel bad if they like find a therapist, they go to the first appointment and then they're like, yeah, this is not for me. Like, we love feel like that. you have to schedule another one. No, we love that. We love, yes. <laughs> at least for me, I, I, when someone says to me, I don't think this is a good fit, I will say to them, <laughs> I'm so happy you said that to me because I don't want this to continue if you're not feeling good about it. And right. the best part about this, and I'll speak about this a bit later too, of like how to find a therapist. Therapists know other therapists 100% of the time, or I would at least say 90% of the time they right. know someone that may be a better fit. So if that's not the person for you. You could just say, I honestly welcome clients. Tell me what didn't work for you. And one, I can see if I can maybe work with that and we can still work together and I can alter something that can make this a comfortable space for you. And if we can, then I'll find someone who fits those needs a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And then one, you don't have to do the work to find someone. I can do it for you because that's part of my job. And two, we're not, this isn't going to be a painful experience for you. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think we spoke about this briefly, but um, the therapist that I have now, I would not have been ready for two years ago or even a yeah. year ago. So it's yeah. like every experience that you have, you're bringing what you've learned with that person and in that relationship to the next one. And it's like my therapist now is very trauma-informed. And two years ago, I might not have even known like what, trauma is or how it affected me or anything like that. And so um, I think it's definitely you're learning and you have to be like Keely said, totally okay with just being like, nope, this doesn't fit with where I am right now. This doesn't feel right. Um, And not going like out of obligation. But I think something that holds people up is just the physical logistical act of finding someone. So what would be your tips on like, someone who's like, I know I want to go to therapy. I don't maybe know what kind I, but how do I actually go about finding a therapist? So this will touch on what I was just speaking about in terms of like orientation of the therapist. But so I have like three things that I think all people should just keep in mind when they're talking about finding a therapist. One, why are you going? So this may not be an easily answered question for folks. Like I've sat with people who are like, I don't know why I'm here. I just, something feels off or so I'm just feeling sad lately. And I, I can't pinpoint what it was that made me sad. I can't find out like why I'm feeling, eh, feeling more anxious than usual. I don't really know why. Um, so the really important piece of this, like fit or finding a person is who are you looking for? Like, it's like with dating again, are you looking for like, a tall six foot two man or are you looking for like someone who's like five foot three like that's two very different people and some people don't care about height so some people don't care like the orientation of the therapist but a lot of the reasons some people don't I hear this I would say I hear this like with 50 at least half of the people that I sit with about a previous therapy experience they either like all they wanted to do they just listened and they didn't say anything and I didn't like that. I wanted someone who's more active or people who are like, they just talked a lot and I feel like I didn't get to speak or uh, like they, 
gave me homework and I didn't want that. It's like, well, yeah, because that's the orientation of the therapist. Like that's how they approach. So I'm just going to quickly walk through like those orientations. Like if you're looking for like depth oriented, if you're looking for kind of like unconsciously something's happening for me and I don't know, but like it feels off. You want a psychodynamic therapist. You want someone who's going to go into like the unconscious unprocessed stuff and can kind of locate what's going on for you. Um, This is someone who also may ask about your childhood because it may be stuff that's been unconscious for a long time. So if someone goes there, I mean, that's my, that's my process. Often if something's coming up now, it's come up before. So um, I'm a little, I favor that a little bit, but it's because I think their inner child and all of us never really dies. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> yep. So that's psychodynamic. Psychodynamic. Um, okay. CBT is kind of a buzzword now. I think a lot of people hear that. And that's kind of the third wave, this new, um, it's a quicker therapy. It's not so length oriented. It, it typically, you know, if people are like, I only want to be in therapy for like three to four months, you're going to want to look for a CBT therapist. And these are people who typically focus on, if you want to change like thoughts, behaviors, emotions, or understand them better, that's, that's your kind of person. And that's and this kind is of cognitive behavioral Therapy. Yeah, cognitive okay. behavioral therapy, CBT. Um, and adjacent to that, DBT is another really new kind of buzzword people are hearing that's kind of the mindfulness, uh, the mindfulness kind of um, more like interpersonal effectiveness piece that a lot of people are hearing about now. DBT is really focused on like emotion management, emotion regulation. That's where mindfulness comes in. It kind of slows you down, understanding your um, really your emotions uh, from like interaction to interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking for like just straight up, like my relationships are out of whack. My family is like detrimental to me. I'm going to suggest like a family systems interpersonal therapist. And that's largely because you're, if your stress comes from your relationships, there's something going on there that you probably need to explore. And that can be either way, like something you're doing in your relationships or something that people are doing to you that doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say the last one, which is kind of not so spoken about as much, um, but I've, I really like, and I'm starting to use a little bit more, is called ACT, which is acceptance and commitment therapy. And this is really focused on more like actively like stepping into kind of like your emotions and not avoiding them. So it's really accepting. And again, kind of the acronym speaks to it. You're accepting and committing to what you're feeling are and where are your values and how am I working toward those values? So it's a very active therapy in that way. Um, but it's really getting a lot of traction because a lot of people are like, I'm tired of just like sitting in this mucky place I'm in and I want to do something about it. And mm-hmm. act therapists are like, all right, let's move you toward it. Like what's mm-hmm. pushing you, what's not pushing you. So um so just even from that you can see like those are just five branches of therapy there's 50 60 70 like so there's lots of ways people can do therapy here Mm -hmm. um and there's folks who can do multiple types so like i'm an integrationist so i do i use pieces of all of those types of therapy so if you look at someone's like psychology to take psychology today page which i'll talk about in a little bit you'll find like what specialties they do, like what types of therapy they do. So this is where you're going to start looking for like, who do I want and do they do what I want? Mm-hmm. Um, or you're going to look for like a specialist. So someone who sees a specific type of like, who is like a specialist in like psychodynamic therapy, 
or if you're looking for like, I'm a specific population. So specifically with the state of the world right now, like if you are um, black identified or a person of color or someone who is seeking a specific type of therapist who matches that racial identity, you're going to look for, they have a specialty area in working with people of color or they're going to, or if it's a white therapist, they're very informed in this way. So you're not getting someone who's not affirming or someone who's not, um, really understanding of what it's like to be a black person in our current world. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's just one. The first piece is what are you looking for? And does this person have it or don't they? And that's like, that's like those things when I think of like swiping on an app, the things that you would just swipe left immediately for, like you're either going to swipe right because this person has it, or you're just not going to even bother. Um, The second piece is kind of like the shopping around. So this is what we talk about when like finding a therapist. And I would say, um, you know, I would say the two things I think about in the second step is like, one, what's affordable and two, what's sustainable? Because even if you are going into therapy thinking, I only want to do two or three months of this, or I just want to try it out. I've had people who came to see me in like third session and are like, but I don't want to go yet. <laughs> like, okay, well. Literally, we <laughs> if you were my therapist, I would be like, I'm chaining myself to your door and you're never getting rid of me (laughs) and if you move I'll be coming with you (laughs) I'm so flattered I mean but there are people that stay I mean I had a I'm not in a position yet because I'm I'm just fresh out of my degree um but I've seen people for like a whole year um I'm now that I'm staying at the same place for a second year I'm gonna have clients who I've seen for like two years and there are therapists who see clients for 30 years because that again like it's a fit the person just clicks with the person and that's the strength again like if you find someone that works with you and just fits like it can i've i've heard of people inviting their therapist to their weddings like it's just and as in our field that's very normal so like because if you find someone that fits it why would you let go um but i guess getting back to like what's affordable and what's sustainable. This is, I, so I work in university counseling. I'm teaching students all the time about like what insurance is. We refer out a lot because we just can't absorb every single client and insurance, insurance, insurance people. Like we, one, we have to talk about, it's an absolute privilege to be able to look for a therapist. So that's first and foremost, there's a lot of white privilege in there. There's a lot of, um, uh, socioeconomic status that really fuels this for a lot of folks and not everyone has the ability to shop around for multiple people. Um, and I, I've gotten a glimpse of that a lot more this year working at an inner city school and working with folks who don't have health insurance and are on Medicaid, Medicare and having to really use that and figure out what a person can do. Um, mm-hmm. And so I would say that like even Medicare and Medicaid for people who are like, I just don't have access, that's not true. Um, I'm going to say this for a lot of shopping around for therapists. It, whatever you think you know about it, likely not true. Um, we love revealing the truths on this podcast. Why is that? Why why don't we know? Stuff? Well, I think that's a great question, Casey. <laughs> I think um, because when we think of accessing care, um, we think of it in the medical model. So this is a doctor you're going to see maybe when you have a checkup or we're going to see like a dentist who you see every six months or every eight months, or um, I'm going to go to someone when something hurts. Um, That therapy is not spoken about and quite, again, I think it's still just getting into the mainstream now. Um, 
we don't know because we haven't been taught how to look for a therapist. Um, I learned how to do this in my doctoral program. I didn't know before. I had to be taught how to do it. Um, and it's sad on some level because I think this is where we find a lot of people who are in distress and they don't know how to reach out because they've never been it's never been talked about in families and in larger circles. And I think that's why we're really pushing more of a mental health focus because we're finding a lot of people are needing more help and are just being more open and vocal about being in pain. And we're here. I mean, like, listen, we're businesses. Like we want to see people. Like it works for both of us. You see a need, fill a need. So, um, but also it's, you know, it's a little bit different from, um, from the medical doctors you typically see too, because not every insurance plan states like what their mental health coverage looks like as well. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people run into. They're like, I don't know how to find a therapist or how to look yeah. for a therapist. Or I see these things like in network, out of network. What does all of that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think when we start to see that, I'm going to tell anyone that's listening, when you see those words, they are scary and that's okay. If they're scary, this is kind of part of being, um, I think individuating and becoming an adult and starting to seek out what you need. And it can be scary to step into that place because you're going to start seeing and feeling things that aren't, you're not used to. So um, a lot of that comes with like, healthcare is a monster. <laughs> it is, it's a beast. Um, and yeah, we navigating it no matter what age you are is, is hard. But I would say the easiest ways to start is if you have an insurance card. Um, well, if you don't have insurance, there are lots of places that do. I'll start from the bottom of like going from having no resources to more resources. So really, I guess if you're feeling you're coming into the equation with a little less privilege, I want to start with those folks first because they need our attention more. Um, there's so many places that do pro bono therapy. I worked at one in my second year. Um, if you are anywhere near a PhD or a PsyD program or even a master's program, they typically have clinics and we get trained in these clinics. And I saw someone for 60 sessions my, my second year and I didn't charge her a dollar the whole year. Um, these places exist all over the country. There's hundreds of programs for mental health care. And I think that the first argument is like, well, I don't want to see someone who's like half-baked. I want to see someone who's like a full <laughs> therapist. True, fair. I felt the same way when I was giving therapy to people in that way. I was like, I'm not a fully baked cookie yet. Um, <laughs> but we're being so heavily supervised by our professors who are all psychologists who have been in the field for 20 30 years and to your point like if it's a good fit you know like it's similar to i know Gigi is doing therapy too Mm -hmm. with clients like not fully on her own but it's like if you connect with that person then that is such a healing container for you to be whether or not they have 30 years of experience it's like all about a lot about that fit like you said yeah and i think you know if the fit also matches the dollar like it's even better so you can find someone especially who like is at these clinics and like they may be yeah kind of like just hatched in a way um i i mean i did some of my i think i still did some of my best work in that second year because it was so much about the relationship and i didn't know all the rest of the mumbo jumbo (laughs) yeah i just felt like i was in it um and also for folks who don't know 
think about how motivated we are and like our in our programs to start seeing clients like we you're gonna get people who are like fresh-faced doe-eyed like just like ready to do therapy and if you're someone who's a little ambivalent that's like a perfect match because you've got someone who wants to be there with you in it so I think there's a lot of really good fit in these programs and that's like a shameless plug for my own program but I mean like listen it's true like we these programs need people to be seen and also it's it's like I think the most I saw charged when I was there I saw a family so I was seeing like three people I charged them five dollars a session that's wow that's I've unheard of in the in the day-to-day world so um one I would see where's around you who's around you and um there's a lot of community mental health services that have licensed clinical social workers who have LPCs who will see cases pro bono and I think again in terms of access to care if you're not asking a therapist if they have a sliding scale you're doing it wrong always ask therapists if they have sliding scales because I was a graduate student and I was in my own therapy while I was getting this doctorate and I came in saying I'm taking out all these loans to go to school I don't have a job that pays because for anyone who doesn't know becoming a psychologist all of your training up until your last year is unpaid so I was doing free therapy for four years of my life um yeah I mean but I loved doing it like that that was the reward it's like it's something I'd been looking forward to do since I was 15 um but yeah if you I mean and my and my there and my the psychologist I found is someone who had been in practice for 40 years. He was an expert in what he did. So he could have charged me. I saw what he what what he was billed for, but because I asked for a sliding scale, he slid it down to like I was seeing him for maybe one fourth of what he would have charged. Wow. And I would have never known that if my professors didn't say, ask for a sliding scale, say that you're a graduate student, you can only pay this much. Um and a lot of therapists like outside of therapy will reduce rates because if there's a specific client that really fits their need, they want to see them. Like we are motivated to, to reach certain people that may, f- that we can really benefit, like that could benefit from our services. So um, yeah, always ask about a sliding scale. Um, well, and, was- and per every, you know, health part of healthcare, it's all about advocating for yourself and not just mm-hmm. subscribing to kind of the system or institution that's in place and that is what you're going to be working on in therapy anyways right yeah (laughs) for a lot of people so and I think that speaks to exactly what you were saying before Kaylee like mental health is such a different piece because you're advocating for yourself in a very vulnerable way it's Mm -hmm. not like an it's it's an it's an invisible thing you're seeking help for as opposed to like oh I broke my arm well we can clearly see your arm swollen but I have a broken heart or I'm, I'm healing from a wound that happened five years ago, well, I think sometimes people still give that a little less credit than what it's worth. But mm-hmm. as we all know on this podcast, your internal wounds can hurt twice as more, twice as much as your external wounds. So um, maybe more. So yeah, there's a lot of like self-advocating that I think is, mm-hmm. is part of this process. And I think it's also part of showing like how much you need help. It's important. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say too, like for those who maybe have a little more access to care or have insurance or have an insurance card, if you look on the back of most cards, there's like a behavioral health or a mental health phone number that you can call. Um, And that will just very quickly, they'll say, read your policy number, read your group number, and they'll tell you like what your copay is. So a copay is basically like 
the insurance is going to pay everything else and that copay is what you will pay per session. Um, so I know for Temple students, that's the school that I'm currently at in Philadelphia, um, most students can see a therapist um, and the copay is $40. We don't, they, it's free to see us at the counseling center, by the way. Um, so I also suggest that to college students, if you're at a university, nine times out of 10, your, your mental health care is free. Um, but uh, yeah, your copay is like the, the magic word of what you're going to want to know for when you're looking for a therapist, because that's what you'll pay per session. And again, that number can slide. So if a therapist is willing to, you know, dock themselves a certain amount of pay per session, like my therapist was for me, because it's like, yeah, why wouldn't a previous psychologist want to help out a budding psychologist? Or if you're like a specific, like if you're going through a specific trauma and there's a psychologist or a therapist who works with that specific trauma, it's like, yeah, you're doing this person a favor. So I want to do them an extra favor by getting them into my office because they're already in pain enough. So, um, I tend to find that people are very afraid of asking therapists questions because it's one, very unknown, and two, it's a healthcare provider, so it seems really scary. But if you're gonna ask a question to anyone, ask a psychologist, ask a therapist, like we wanna help you. We're not here to like hurt you. So um, if you don't know something, just ask. That's, I, I say that to people too. It's like, if you don't like your therapist, just say, this isn't working for me. Like we, we actually almost would like, we would like to beg our clients to tell us what they think. So um, yeah, that goes with insurance too and, and, and co-pays and payment. Um, we, we need to know that stuff because ultimately it's going to impact our work. So we want to get that out of the way first and foremost. Um, and I just think the actual practical like piece of finding a therapist, like, so one, if you call that insurance number on your back of your card, they can just, you can even ask like, can you find me a therapist? And mm. they will literally give you a list of people within your geographic location and give you like a list of 10 people. So that's super easy if you want to do it that way. Most insurance companies now ha have an online like website and there's a find your doctor tab on every single one. So all you have to do is type in therapist or psychology and your zip code and your plan. And it will literally just pre-populate a list of people who take your insurance, what their typical pay is. And then all you have to do is like, search for who you want. So if you want a specific gender, if you want a specific age, if you want a specific specialization, that these websites are kind of built for this. So I don't think a lot of people know that those things even exist. But for us, we're like, you can find us. Like we want to find you. Find help help us find you. So that would be like starting with your insurance and like who's covered and stuff would be if you have insurance, yes. would be like how you find people near you. But then to decide like who's a good fit for me or mm -hmm. to kind of like come up with your little menu of like, okay, who am I going to try out? Yeah. Who am I going to go on first dates with? Mm -hmm. Then you, did you mention psychology today is where? Psychology today is a okay. great website. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of websites like that, but psychology today tends to be the kind of the golden standard of, um, of just having the most people, I think. Um, and that just says like what type of therapy people are doing or mm -hmm. like, is that like their bio? both go read okay. it's a typically it's a picture of bio and their specializations what type of therapy they do what populations they serve mm -hmm. so i mean if all the things i've spoken about today like psychology today like again like i'm they're not paying me to be here to say this but like <laughs> we love that for them not um, yet <laughs> not, not yet um so psychology today is a great one also just googling the names of 
people that come up on these like pre-populated lists. That's all I do. And yeah. I just look at like, if they're attached to like universities or they're attached to, um, if they've worked somewhere before, like you can just get a bit more info on who they are. And we're pretty cognizant of what info we put out there about ourselves. So you'll see what we want you to see, but that should give you a pretty good glimpse of like what we do. And if you can't get a good read on what a therapist does, maybe they're not who you want to see. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. My little sister was just looking for, um, a new therapist and she had been seeing one on her college campus mm-hmm. and I was trying to like teach her how to look for therapists. Cause I've had like close to 10 probably, or mm-hmm. just like tried out close to 10. Um, so I was showing her my therapist now website and like, you know, she uses a lot of words in on her website and her bio, like holistic and trauma informed mm-hmm. and um, client relationship and you know spiritual all these you know you really get a good read on who she is from like her website and then I was comparing it to the college counselor that my sister was seeing her website and it basically said specializes in individual counseling and my sister was like wait that's it and I'm like yeah you gotta like you gotta know I don't think people know what to look for like you were saying but Mm -hmm. you know if you have an idea and you're looking at the website and you're just kind of like, wait, that's it. Then that's probably not the fit that mm-hmm. you want to go for. And yeah. if you're not, um, yeah, whatever they're putting out for you to see, um, whether that is the little bio on psychology today or like their website, mm-hmm. um, that's a very good indicator of like their style and their personality and what they do. Yeah. We love a good website. That's Truly. says a lot. Yeah, I mean, listen, a picture says a lot. It's like, again, like the dating app, like pictures say a lot, bios yeah. say a lot. So um, that's kind of, I've, I've always said, like, if you could, if you, this whole process, if there's one thing anyone takes away from this, it's like, trust your gut. So whether you're sitting with someone and you're like, I don't know, if you're sitting with some, if you're looking at a picture and you're like, I don't know, if you're reading a bio and you're like, I don't know, one, you're going to be ambivalent anyway, <laughs> but like push past the ambivalence and then see like, how would it feel to sit in a room with this person for 60 minutes every week? And if you can see that, okay, maybe move forward. If you're like already like, I don't really think this, this will do, then it's probably best to move on to another person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love well, that. and that's the fifth element. Right. Just tapping into your, into your intuition. Trust. Mm-hmm. Empower mm-hmm. yourself. Absolutely. Amazing. Um, I have a question. Does sure. a dating app type situation exist for finding a therapist? That's a great question. Um, So I'm, yes, I believe there's something, I forget exactly what it's called and I want to Google it now so I don't get it wrong and butcher it, but there's like a find your therapist. um, I think, I don't know if it's an app, but it's like, it probably is, um, or a website. This is kind of actually like the next thing that like our field is starting to like procure is like a match based system for finding therapists because we find that this is the biggest hole of people not reaching out for therapy is that they can't find a person or someone that they're interested in. Um, so I've, yeah, they, they do exist. Bottom line, they do exist. I don't know how accurate they are. Um, because I think part of it is very subjective. So, um, who you want, maybe not, always comes through and like these like match-based systems but 
that's kind of what those websites do. Like you can like check off what you want and only the people that match those things will populate. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm sure an app exists. I feel bad that I came to this and I didn't already have that. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm not like, um, I just thought, you know, if it doesn't exist, your, ten, uh, your Saturn, which is the planet of uh, kind of like work, is in Aquarius, which is the sign of innovation. So that might be like an entrance point for you if you're mm. looking to make like the Tinder of therapy. <laughs> wow, that is. <laughs> uh. The other um, question that I have, if you weren't already going to speak to this, is mm. people, I think, might even stop the process because they don't know what to say in the first session or they don't know how to even express, well, I don't know what I would tell a therapist. There's nothing wrong with me. Or like, you know, I can't just walk in and say like, sometimes I feel sad. And obviously my response is like, yes, you can own your therapy session, like state what you need. But mm -hmm. um, from a therapist perspective, um, how does that first session go? And what are you trying to get from just that first initial time? Yeah. So I would say we really, at least the way I was trained, so other therapists may respond differently to this, but the way I was trained is there's two main things I want to know in a first session. Now this is different than like if someone's coming in and there's like risk or there's certain things that are kind of like red flags for me where I need to be a bit more um, active in the first session. But if someone's coming in and they're just here because like they're feeling sad or anxious or they're kind of any of the problems I listed before. Um, the two things I want to know is one, what was the moment you knew you needed to come here? Like how, why, like, why are you here? Um, and a lot of people will say, I don't know why I'm here. And where I'll, where I'll go from that is, so tell me how it feels to be here. Tell me how it feels to sit across from someone and talk and most people say oh, it feels kind of uncomfortable it feels scared I don't know what to say I feel like I just know I feel sad and I'll say so tell me what sadness feels like for you and that <laughs> already opens up a lot for us and I think part of this is part of this first piece is like a lot of people don't have a lot of experience sitting in their feelings for more than a couple of seconds I find that to be a little problematic because uh, I, I think this is part of where our world is in this really, again, kind of cosmic shift is that we're having a lot of people speak a lot more to feeling experiences. And a lot of people have existed in spaces of thinking experiences. Wow, you nailed it. So, and those two often, they actually go together so well, but our world isn't used to the feeling experiences that you're hearing people say, why is this person just so emotional? Or like, that's where I think like the term quote unquote snowflakes come from. Cause it's like, why are these people like, just like, just like shut up. Like, this is the way it is. It's the way it's kind of always been. And um, it's like, well, that's what you've been told and that's what you think. But how do you feel about the way that this thing actually it is for you? And, mm -hmm. um, so when someone feels anxious, I think, I think people say like, I have anxiety and I love when people come in and they say like, I don't know, I just feel anxious or I have anxiety. And I'm like, okay, well, what does anxiety feel like for you? You put five people in a room with me, no one's going to describe it the same way. So there may be some pieces that overlap, but everyone sits in anxiety or sadness or anger or happiness in a very different way. So my question is one, 
why are you here? And if you don't know, well, tell me what it feels like to be here and what these feelings are. And if you can't do that, that's where we're going to start. Just kind of identifying the feelings <laughs> because that's what we're going to talk about. Um, I would say the second piece is, you know, we were, I was trained to like identify why is a person there and what does it feel like for them? And then you also have to kind of get a sense of like, what is it that you want out of this experience? Like, what are you looking for? Um, and some people will just say, I don't know what I want in the same way. They don't know. I don't know what I feel. <laughs> it's just like, I want to feel better. And it's like, right. okay, well, when was the last time you felt good? Like that you can conceptualize for me, when was the last time you felt better? And I'm going to pretty much track like, all right, well, if that was two years ago. What happened two years ago to put you in a place where you stopped feeling good? Um, I feel like I'm like sending Emily right now <laughs> to like a different place. Yeah. But yeah, we want to know first, like, yeah, first and foremost, why are you here? And second, like, how am I going to help you get to that place? So like, how, what can I do? Or, you know, if there's a specific place, you have an end goal in mind, because this is a lot of the reason people drop out of therapy is like, I didn't get what I wanted. That's often what I hear. I didn't get what I wanted. It didn't feel right. And it's often like, well, if you don't know what you want going in, it's going to be pretty hard for a therapist to always track on to like what I should be doing. Right. Mm. So that's, and that's okay. It's our job to help you figure that out. But we do need a bit of a sense of how do you, what do you want different out of this experience once mm -hmm. you're done? And if you, and if you can't identify that, okay, then our goal is going to be, let's figure out what you want to use this space for and start to kind of track and identify like when it feels good and when it doesn't feel good. And if that's where we're starting, okay, we're starting from square one. If someone has been a seasoned therapy vet like you, Emily, it's like, all right, you've been a 10 therapist. I want to know what didn't work before and what did. Okay. So, and I want to know like, where has your therapy journey taken you? Like, and what are you looking for in this particular cycle of therapy? And that's why I don't get upset when people leave me because just like Kaylee was speaking to you before, like there's like a time and a place for a person and a therapist to meet. Mm -hmm. I think I, again, it's kind of the cosmic way this world works. And some people are only meant to see me for like 10 sessions. And some people are meant to see me for like 10 months and some people are meant to see me for 10 years. So, um, I can't, if I want someone to stay so badly, it's not my place to make them stay. <laughs> like they have to want to stay, but yeah, there's, uh, I want to know what I can do for you in this time. And cause that's why we're there. We're there for you. So I would say to anyone that's coming in, if you don't know what you want, if you don't know how you feel, that's okay. Just tell the therapist that's where you're at. I love that. That was so great. That was so helpful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if, I mean, I have like lots of questions, but that was really a good baseline foundation of like how to find, what to look for, and like mm -hmm. first session holdups, which I think is um, the big three. Yeah. Speaking astrologically. Why should people go to therapy? Well, again, I, I think with the current like zeitgeist that we're currently in right now, or I guess the current like ethos of the world, like I, I personally think that people should go to therapy 
I mean, I'd listen, my personal belief is like every person should be in therapy. And I think it's because we were raised in an era and this is no one's fault. It's just kind of the way that the, the, I think how humans were conditioned and what was kind of appropriate so many years ago versus what's appropriate now. We were raised in an era to think and feel and, and act without much space for reflecting on why. And I think there's a lot of different spaces like religion, philosophy, you know, the stars, like that make us reflect on why things happen and why we do what we do but we often don't have an objective person to air this to. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are like, I don't need therapy. I have family, I have friends, I have peers that I talk to. And listen, we, I always suggest to my clients, like speak to your family and friends. Like I'm not saying that stops just because you come to therapy, but where can you go somewhere where it's completely judgment free? The person that's sitting across from you doesn't hold an opinion of you before you get there. And the space is entirely yours for 60 minutes. You get to talk about whatever you want. I don't know how many things, <laughs> I don't know how many places in this world where that happens. Right. Um, and I guess, you know, this is maybe the case for me. I don't know if every therapist feels this way, but I, it's such a privilege to be able to be with someone, to be with someone just in being and in the room. And it's like, I want other people to experience that state of just like being able to be and not having to be someone, but being themselves in a space. Like, it's, it's also just very corrective because you can talk about the people in your life where if you were to say at first glance before you kind of chew it through with a therapist how you feel, it could be really damaging to those relationships. And a therapist can kind of help you vet out what's appropriate to say and what's just you feeling really upset. Like, what's emotion versus what needs to be communicated? So for relationships, it's very important. For figuring out kind of your own ideologies, it's very important because you can vet out what feels like it's this tracks on to who I am as a person versus what have I been told my whole life and what I think I should continue to uphold just because someone tells me or the environment I'm in calls for that. It's just a place where you can really start to see who you are, I think, on a deeper level. And um, it just so happens, I think, to get tracked to like oh I'm hurting so I need to go somewhere to get that hurt gone and I actually say to a lot of people I'm not here to make the hurt go away I'm here to help you understand the hurt and why it hurts in the first place so Mm -hmm. because think about it if I were to just make it go away it's likely going to come back because we're human beings and we get hurt all the time so I want you to better understand how this thing hurts you so that when it happens again it doesn't debilitate you the way it does now because you can't change the external factors of things. Right. We can't change can... the world, but we can mm-hmm. change ourselves. Wow. Well, and, you know, another reason of, like, why go to therapy at all? Like, it is an intentional place to feel things. Like, we acknowledge that there's so few spaces or, like, time carved out in our, like, lives in this, you know, capitalist society where we can just sit and feel things and not have people tell us that we shouldn't. Mm. exactly yeah and if a therapist ever makes you feel that way i'm giving you the invitation like stop and find someone else right right yeah it never it's never meant to be a judgmental experience it's never meant to be you know i think people have this fear that i'm gonna go to therapy and they're gonna tell me everything that's wrong with me yeah and if that happens 
get out as yeah. fast as you can. Like that should not be the experience. Yeah. I'm going to say too, I'm going to actually backtrack on what I just said. I don't want everyone, once you get hurt in therapy to flee, because that's also not real. Like you're going to get hurt in therapy because your therapist may say something to you that feels a little threatening or feels a little scary. And actually that sometimes means it's what you're supposed to be pushing through, not running away from. And so if it's a good therapist, it shouldn't feel like I feel so scared. I need to leave this room right now. You should tell your therapist when you're feeling, when something feels heavier. Like if it feels scary or I'm feeling attacked by you right now, like we do advise, please say that <laughs> because if you just leave, I don't want to be ghosted again, like the dating app. I don't want to be ghosted. Tell me why you're <laughs> ghosting me. Like, tell me why I'm being ghosted. And, and again, like I can alter what I'm saying. So this can become more digestible for you. But if you, if you ask and a therapist can't, can't respond to that, then that's a sign of a not a good fit. Mm. I apologize. I feel like I've just rambled, but oh my gosh, my gosh that no, was, this was great. Any more questions so you have? I'm, I'm, down my last question keely do you have questions um i think i'm okay i will later on (laughs) i have a final a final thought that maybe you could share your opinion with our listeners like um some people and i felt this throughout my journey as well like talk therapy is not always the be all end all um Mm. of what you need in that moment and um I think it is helpful for me as like a baseline and has been super helpful. And I will probably always utilize talk therapy, but what are some other like modes that maybe you even recommend with your clients um, of other ways of like sitting with your feelings or just um, Mm -hmm. maybe if people are, yeah, they've had like a bad experience at talk therapy in the past and they just like want to slowly get into that process again what are your thoughts on other modes or methods yeah it's a great question um i mean listen therapy is just a form of self-care so there's lots of different forms of self-care but um it's you know therapy is kind of like the reflection space i would say other things that people can do to maybe access like some of the same experiences of therapy without being in therapy because listen i'm not here to tell people that therapy is all. I think it's amazing. I've, I've committed my life to this, to this work, to this practice, because I've seen the immense benefit that it has given, not just me, but um, I mean, even as someone who's so self-conscious as a therapist, like just starting out, just to be part of that process with people and just see how it's helped them is, I feel like I'm the luckiest person every day that I get to do what I do. Um, but there's so many things people can do besides go to therapy because again, like access to care, it's not always feasible for people. And that's, I recognize that privilege too. And I want to be part of the movement that makes therapy more accessible for everyone because everyone deserves that space. For now, if, since we're not in that space, ways that people can help themselves if they're not looking for that talk therapy space, one, journaling. Oh my gosh. If I could, I have 14 journals on me at all times. Um, journaling is, it's a way to talk to yourself mm. and to, to dig a little bit deeper. And sometimes I, I will use it as a tool in therapy, which is hilarious because I'm like literally telling people like, do therapy outside of therapy. <laughs> but yeah. um, journaling and there's so many good like if you just Google like prompts for journaling, there's like hundreds of 
of links that come up. Another piece too is like this meditation mindfulness thing that can be done with or without therapy. And there's so many apps out there now that help with this. I mean, I can't even like think of how many there are. Um, but you certainly can, I'm trying to think of the different apps I've seen. Like I've seen like Calm, I've seen Headspace, Headspace is another Insight great Timer. one. Insight Timer. Um, I mean, those are, those are as popular as they are because I, I have clients who come in saying, oh, I'm, I've been doing this anyway, and it's been very helpful. And I'm like, great, keep doing it. Um, so that is certainly something that therapists will recommend in conjunction with their own therapy. Um, so mindfulness is something that you can practice and learn about. Again, Google is just an amazing magical wand. Um, just type something into Google and it's there. Um, I mean, listen, another piece of things people can do for themselves, like there's a reason why, like, I think it's funny that I ended up on this podcast because, like, Emily was one of those people for me um, of, like, a check-in space. Um, right. Um, and... The two times we hung out? The two times <laughs> we hung out. I mean, like, they... And this is... I mean, there is something about us as people being social creatures. Like, we do... Even if you're an introvert and you're someone who likes to isolate a lot, there is something so powerful about sitting down with a person who fits you and gets you and it being a bi big emphasis on bi-directional relationship. So it's not just one way mm. um, of sharing and those relationships, those are the ones that last and transcend. I mean, I just, I've been watching Avatar The Last Airbender. So anyone that's a fan, like shout out. Um, but there are friendships that transcend lifetimes. And I'm so certain that these are the ones that do because some friends can be more powerful than therapists can be just because of, again, the time and place of that person enters your life. So I certainly recommend if you have a person that is like your person, both of you can utilize that relationship in a way that's not damaging to one another where you're putting the emotional burden on the other person, but making sure you both carve out time to like check in with one another. That is so important. Um, I would say the last thing that I, I would recommend for folks too is, and this is kind of like the basic bread and butter of like life. Um, again, like self-care includes physical care. So like part of a lot of people's mental health, but I, it's funny that I do a lot of <laughs> work with folks in this way because it feels like we're leaning into the medical a bit more, but like you have to take care of your body. Like the mind and body are so connected. Mind, body, spirit all align. So mm -hmm. Like we're, again, we're nodding our heads off right now. <laughs> <laughs> again, why I was drawn to this podcast. Um, if you, if the body is not being nurtured, the mind is certainly going to suffer and the spirit will be misaligned. And I cannot emphasize, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. That was okay. beautiful. That was beautiful. That was scripture. <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> I'm just, no, I'm just, there's a lot of literature and a lot of research on the mind body connection and I, and spirit too, for folks who are in the spiritual, um, spiritual counseling, but, um, you've got to, eat, I mean, like this is just, I'm, I'm sending this out there for the folks who are listening, like eat two to three meals a day. You've got to drink water. You have got to stay hydrated for my friends who drink coffee. It will dehydrate you for even mm -hmm. friends who like tea. Gotta be drinking water with every cup of tea. Okay. Um, so we're going to have you on another episode and we're going to dive into that. Cause that is so good to hear from men mental health professionals. Yeah. And yeah. We need that. Yeah. I'd be happy to 
come back, talk about the mind-body spirit Amazing. connection for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, ex- I mean, physical exercise, like, again, I can't tell you, like, I, I have so many friends who've been like running at my therapy. There's a reason why people say that because it can regulate your body in a way that talking it out cannot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm certainly not telling people like therapy is not necessarily the thing that is going to save you, but it, it is there as the life raft that like you can float in while you still swim out to sea. Like it's the thing that will give you a, we want to keep people afloat so like that's the we still want you to be in the water we want you we don't want you on the boat all the time but there's some times where you got to be pulled into the boat and not in the waves and there's got to be times where we're going to throw you back in because like we're teaching you how to swim so again i'm so sorry is everyone okay i'm not okay i'm gonna go on record that i'm not okay right now wow 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 how, how could we be okay with a metaphor that good Wait, like, I'm sad that you'll never get to be my therapist. <laughs> like, do we need to go back to college? Yeah. So you can be our therapist? Wow. Oh, my gosh. I speak for anyone who's, like, interested in a therapist. It's <laughs> a shameless self-promotion. I speak a lot in metaphor and in analogies and in quotes because I often find that, like, the words we use as therapists have already exist in the ether. So I'm just saying back what's already been spoken into this universe. So like nothing that we say is, I would say it's like, it's novel because you're hearing it for again, the time and place in which it enters. But like there's, the answers exist world. I'm just guiding you toward them. So yeah. Wow. Well, (laughs) (laughs) that was amazing. Like anyone who, all of your clients are so blessed to have you and clearly your passion and the way that you talk about just being able to be with people as a privilege, like you are in the most perfect profession for you. And it's not just a profession, it's a vocation because this mm-hmm. is exactly what you're meant to do and you Listen, do it so well. My, I'm so flattered. Thank you. Um, but my birth chart. It's in the stars. I'm a no, like uh, the amount of times I, Keely, where you, uh-huh. you, everything that you said, I'm like, like, I know exactly where it is in the chart. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. But you're taking the time to like, even without knowing like your birth chart and stuff, you have been like on this path and intentional journey of like sitting with yourself and like reflecting and having 14 mm-hmm. journals and like going to therapy yourself and taking care of your body so that you can recognize this path of integration in your life and like step into it and live it out and mm-hmm. become the best version of yourself. And you're like bringing all these people along with you and yes. like what mm. a gift for the rest of us. Oh, thank you. I, I, I don't know. I feel, um, I don't know. I, I feel very, again, I just, I was lucky that, um, I, the, I don't think I'm ever going to be at the point where I'm going to say like, I deserve to get into my program. I deserve to be in this because it, it's a, it's a huge privilege again, to be attending a university and it's so expensive. And I also would be happy to be back on about like, just like the process of becoming a therapist. Like there's, it's so much. Um, but I feel, it's, I really do feel so, so, so lucky to be, um, I mean, listen, it's a privilege to be let into the parts of a person that they don't show the rest of the world. So I, I really think for me, it's just, I don't know. I just feel lucky that I get, I'm a big story person. So I I love that I get to see the chapters that like some folks don't get to see. And 
help people like put together the pages that have been ripped or the parts that they kind of like bookmark and don't want to go back to. Like it just feels. I'm so Am sorry. I okay? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it just yeah. I just I I guess yeah. I I I felt called and it's yeah. I guess I guess it is part of my vocation. But I yeah. I just feel very lucky to do it and um, and I, I'll say to folks as well. This is a great resource for. For folks to look up if you're looking for like what therapy can provide you um we read this as clinicians or i guess i was recommended to read it as a clinician but the book called the gift of therapy by um i want to get his his first name right because i know his last name yalom um yeah Irvin yalom um the gift of therapy on both on both ends will speak about really what a gift therapy can be to a person. So again, it's not the be all end all, but it is a unique gift that this world created and, and that we get to disseminate to people. So I highly suggest people read that. It's one of those things where you don't even have to read it in order. It just, it's chapters designed for different things. So one is like the therapist, that's the therapist client relationship is one chapter and like the gift of that thing. One of it's like the gift of, um, you know, specific time frame of which therapy can happen so some people do it in 30 minutes some people do it in 45 minutes some people do it in 60 minutes like it speaks to every aspect of what therapy is and why it's a a, a gift and a privilege on both ends so i highly suggest that um to anyone who wants to kind of just learn a bit more about the therapy maybe before they start um but yeah i just i'm, I'm lucky that i even got a space to speak about it today so i really appreciate you both having me on and um i would be so thrilled to come back at a later date <laughs> you are you are our resident psychologist so oh, will be on. <laughs> thank you wow. so much yes seriously thank you and thank you. where can our listeners like reach you if they're interested in i don't know if they have questions like do you want to give an email or like a uh, social media or anything like that um a, that's a, a link that's a great question. Um, so I'm, I hesitate to give them my personal email because I'm afraid. <laughs> but oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I will say um, you can find me on, I guess, Instagram is kind of like the best, um, would be the best way to reach me. Um, my handle is um, Mike the Mange. So that's M-A-N-G at the end, Mike the Mange. Um, that's also, I mean, I don't post on Twitter anymore. So, um, but that's, you can find me there as well. Um, and, uh, I mean, Facebook, it's kind of the same thing. Mike Mangino is my name on Facebook. Um, but I will hopefully in the next year or so have like a website up once mm -hmm. I start working a bit more independently. So, um, wow. but I am happy to, um, if there are any inquiries, anyone needs help finding a therapist, anyone needs help, um, kind of, it needs a little bit more info on what therapy is, how to access it. I would be more than happy to help you. So please feel free to reach out. Oh my gosh. And people will have your name so they can um, be on the lookout for forthcoming articles and book oh. research and books and everything. Yeah. Books, TBD. We definitely want to do it. So. <laughs> I mean, you have to, your birth chart demands it. <laughs> True. <laughs> I have so many questions about this birth chart. <laughs> Well, to all our listeners, also, if you are interested in a birth chart reading with the Fifth Element Pod, um, you can find us at calendly.com slash the Fifth Element Pod. Link in the show notes, along with all of the resources that Dr. Mike has shared with us, um, will be down there too. So, check oh. it out.
Thank you, Mike. Yes, thank, thank you. Thank you, guys.